Hey, everyone, we want to make sure you know about our next live audience show. It's Saturday, May 6th at 7 p.m. in Pasadena, California, with our friends from LAist at The Crawford. Our scheduled guests are Reggie Watts and Lisa Loeb, plus, as always, surprise experts. Tickets are available right now at laist.com slash gofactyourself. That's L-A-I-S-T dot com slash gofactyourself. We'd love to see you in our audience now. Enjoy this new episode of Go Fact Yourself. Take it away, Helen from a few weeks ago. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, Well, actually. Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now recording remotely from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Hello, Helen. So nice to see you. Hi, J. Keith. Always nice to see you. Now, Helen, you have mentioned to me that you've been especially busy lately. Give me an example of what is keeping you so busy. Well, you know, I'm a working actress, which means I audition constantly. And um, today I had to do an audition in Korean. Now, I know you are of Korean ancestry. I assume that means you can speak conversational Korean. Heavy emphasis on conversational. Okay. Um, I would say I probably speak at about a third grade level. <laughs> okay. And so, you know, I can, I can, I can hold my own. At like, you know, dinner, casual dinner mm-hmm. conversation. But today, J. Keith, mm-hmm. I had to do this Korean language audition as a CIA operative. Oh, okay. Now, was this an interrogation where you were asking, where's the library? No. No, it okay. was It was More like hardcore, you know, C- like imagine, what you know, a show that you've seen recently with like a hardcore CIA interrogation, only now it's in Korean. Gosh. Put me with my third grade level language in that situation. Right. So what do you <laughs> do to get yourself through that? I have to call either my parents or uh-huh. a, a Korean-speaking friend to have them read it to me in a voice memo because <laughs> I cannot really read it to myself. <laughs> so you're just memorizing it like you're memorizing a song, like a melody or something. Yeah, how, how yeah. They say and, then, and then today the language was so difficult that I, I basically took the voice memo that in this instance my dad did for me and mm-hmm. I had to phonetically write it out in <laughs> phonetical English. Yeah. <laughs> It was so challenging. I literally used every brain cell I own on this audition, and I'm spent. I'm I'm just, my brain is just like an empty cavern now. Well, I cannot wait until we see you as that CIA operative in an unnamed TV or film project. We will know (laughs) what went into it. Congratulations and good luck as always, Helen Hong. Thank you very much. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is the lead singer for the band The New Pornographers, who are touring this spring and have a new album, Continue as a Guest, available now. It's A.C. Newman. Hello, A.C. Newman. Hello. How are you? I understand you also go by Carl. Yes. That's my main name. Your main name is Carl, but you go yeah. professionally as AC. Yeah, I gave myself a nickname, which was in my initials, and it stuck. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I was ne- I've never been able to give myself a nickname. Usually it's been given to me by others, and usually those others are bullies. I don't know. What are your initials? JKVS? Your initials are JK? Yeah. Let's see how it works. Oh, okay. Wow, I'm learning so <laughs> much about myself. Carl or AC, this is your 25th year as a band for the New Pornographers, and you've got your first new album since 2019. The title is fantastic. Continue as a guest. It reminds me sort of as uh, as an online consumer, as the option that you have when you're checking out online, but it also speaks to how you feel as a musician. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, I think one day I just pressed on continue as a guest and it suddenly filled me with a cosmic dread. <laughs> Why is that? I just realized like as I sat in the middle of a pandemic that maybe I was just continuing as a guest in every sense. You know, oh, that, that I was uh, I was outside of society. I was just on my own path out here in Woodstock, New York. And it sounded good. It does sound good. I looked it up and I thought no one has used it yet. And I thought, okay, 
That's my title. Well, in addition to the title sounding good, the music sounds amazing. I was listening to the singles that are available now as we record this. The first one is called Really, Really Light. And boy, it is just fantastic. It rocks, and yet it's got incredible harmonies to it. And that's sort of an example of a song that you actually remade from something that you had previously created. It was a song from years ago that was um, written by Dan Behar from Destroyer. I would periodically listen to it because it was unreleased and we never finished it. I took the chorus and thought, I'm going to write a new song around it. I was also thinking of that song. Was it Aloe Black who did who took that Elton John chorus? The Elton John one, yeah. Was and it I, from your song, I think, right? Yeah, that uh, you could tell everybody. Yeah. I, I thought that was really cool. And I thought it would be funny to interpolate a song, but it's one of our songs that nobody knows. You also don't have to pay those Elton John interpolating prices. Exactly. Like you have to, because I just sang for two seconds. Oh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're going to edit that out. Yeah. You had said uh, in an interview recently, you said, I think there's a lot of music out there that's no song, but so beautifully produced and beautifully sung that people just don't care. Is that inspiring, though? Because the, the new album has so many really interesting vocals. It seems to be kind of a different range for you as well. Uh, when I was writing it, I think I was thinking about how, like, songs have changed. There is a lot of music that is just really beautifully executed. But if you strip it down to what the song is, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And I, I admire it. But it makes me think, why am I bothering writing songs? Mm. I don't really need to. You know, like, all, all I really need to do is find a cool loop and a cool beat. And I don't even need to sing. So I feel like I'm just putting in a lot of unnecessary effort. Well, I think your fans might slightly disagree uh, (laughs) with that sentiment. I hope so. (laughs) Last thing I want to ask you about, we've talked about an album that is happening. I was curious about a project that uh, did not yet happen. I was very into Archie Comics as a kid, and I was uh, delighted to find out that you actually had worked on a music project involving the Archie universe. Yeah, that was was pretty short-lived. A lot of stuff in the world of Broadway just kind of comes and goes. Um, oh, it was very, a Broadway musical. I didn't yeah, even realize that. Some producers came to me and said, hey, do you want to write this? And they gave me a binder that was an outline of what they thought the the musical was going to be. The guy who was supposed to write the script, his name is Roberto Aguirre Casas, I believe. And he is the guy that went on to make all the hugely popular Archie shows. Oh, okay. Like Riverdale and yeah. stuff like that? Oh, and wow. Okay. When they brought it up with me, I thought it was just going to be a weird kind of bright cartoonish musical. And I thought, well, that that sounds cool. And then I talked to him and he goes, no, I want it to be really dark and gritty. Like in my mind, I'm thinking a dark, gritty take on Archie. This doesn't sound <laughs> like it would work. <laughs> and yet here we are, however many years later on the CW. Yeah. Yes. And yet I was... I was just wrong. Like always. Like always. Oh. I was just wrong. <laughs> Nico's working on a Broadway musical right now, and this one feels like it's going to happen. Oh, fun. And I did a little co-writing on that with her. It's a weird world because you don't know when the rug is going to just get pulled out from underneath you. Right. Yeah, I mean, I get a, a lot of people have to deal with that, you know. Like somebody, yeah, somebody who develops a TV show that, you know, never gets made. Yep. Or, yeah. <laughs> Helen, Helen has been there many times. Yep. Yeah. Well, we're so happy that it worked out for you to be with us here today. Thanks so much for joining us, AC Carl Newman. Thank you. Helen, against whom will AC be competing? She is a comedian, playwright, actor, and author whose debut novel, Sunny, is available now. It's Suk Ajala. Hello, Suk. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us, and I believe you are joining us from the kingdom we call United. Yes, although not very united if, if you live here. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, I <laughs> of course, you are working mostly in Britain, but American listeners mm-hmm. have seen you as an actor on shows like Bridgerton, Black Mirror, and Feel Good, which uh, is a show I absolutely love and evangelize for. Sunny is uh, recently released in the U.S., your book, but it was released in the U.K. last year. What was that experience like? How did having your first book out compare to, say, having a play or a solo show or doing stand-up? Well, I don't know if you know this, but you can't really change a book once you've written it. Interesting. And that's terrifying. Yeah, that's terrifying. You know, I can go on stage and, you know, change my set every night. But Mm -hmm. I was in the final stages and I recorded the audio book as well. And I'm looking at the technician in the booth and I'm saying, Liam, can we can we change this paragraph? I've said (laughs) the word inevitably four times (laughs) so yeah it's it's kind of terrifying but also really lovely to to sometimes if I'm feeling a bit low I'll Mm -hmm. go into a bookshop and and find my book and it's just the best feeling to see your name uh, (laughs) on a book and and it's the worst feeling uh when it's not there so do you move it to the staff recommended table (laughs) 
<laughs> I do. I move it out as well. So that, you know, you see the full cover, not just mm-hmm. the spine. Mm-hmm. And I've told all my friends to do that as well. I have no shame here. <laughs> very good. It could be good that your book's not there, though. It could mean it's sold out. That's very true. But I, you know, us British aren't very um, optimistic. Yeah. So we, we, we always think, oh, gosh, they hate it. They hate me. Sunny is about a 30-something Sikh woman living at home with her parents. Where on earth did you get the idea to write about that? Well, I don't know. Maybe it could be because I was 30 years old and living with my parents. It's very loosely based on my life. Very loosely. It's not autobiographical. I have to say that for legal reasons. (laughs) So it was lockdown. A publisher got in touch with me. Yeah, they said, do you want to write a book? You know, we like what you talk about in your stand-up. You talk about being single. You talk about being a child of immigrants. You talk about living with your parents and feeling very left behind compared Mm. to your peers. Um, who are all obviously, you know, buying really nice ceramics and houses and having babies and all the rest of it. <laughs> it's and the ceramics that gets you, isn't it? Just, just sort it of the, is, turning the is. knife. <laughs> I know. How dare you buy matching ceramics? Yeah. And so I just thought, okay, I'll give it a go, which makes it sound like it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it really wasn't. It was like pulling teeth. But I do love it. I love it now it's out. That's Which great. I imagine is what people feel like when they have a baby. Yes, like yes. Or, or finally get their matching ceramics. I saw a video from a few years ago where you said that my parents don't know I do comedy. First of all, was that true? And do they know now? They do know now. They didn't know for a while. I felt very embarrassed because my parents came from India to the UK in the 60s and they worked mm all the awful jobs 12 hours a day and I felt really embarrassed turning to my dad and saying well I'm going to work for 20 minutes a night Mm. and get paid for it so thank you so much (laughs) for your sacrifice yeah and and one of my extended family saw me on TV and then basically grasped me wait a minute you got outed by another family member (gasps) I did and it was something from my dad's side as well Ah! I still go home and my mum will say you know I just I I really wish you'd just work in a bank. <laughs> so she doesn't love it that much. But they, they come to see me perform. My mum took all the credit. Um, <laughs> so they... <laughs> It's it's so funny. Parents in, in so many different cultures can be so different, but definitely taking credit for any success seems oh, to be the common yes. thread that unites all performers. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about, I read that you actually started doing comedy a little later in life, and it actually started from a workshop that you didn't realize was for comedy? you're covering your face I hope I'm not bringing up too painful a subject no 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 it's fine I'd I'd gone through a terrible breakup and I saw something online about a free workshop and free is my favourite price and so I thought (laughs) I would I would go along and I thought it was writing and a few people had said to me maybe you should write and I thought okay I'll go along and I was at the front with my notebook and pen and I was ready to go a teacher's pet from the start and um, a quite a well-known Scottish comedian came out and said right who's done stand-up and I don't know if you've ever felt like your heart was going to kind of fall out of your bottom (laughs) Um, that's pretty much what I felt so yeah I I totally fell into it but it's also great because I I uh, my training is in theater, so yeah. it's the closest thing I get to theater, really. Excellent. Well, we're so happy that you joined us on our virtual stage today. Suk Adjala, thank you so much for being here. All right, AC and Suk, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. AC, you said you know a lot about Marvel Legend action figures, the Paisley Underground, and SCTV, in particular, Five Neat Guys. Mm-hmm. Whereas Suk, you said you know a lot about Eat, Pray, Love, the book, Rocky Four, the movie, and Greek deities, the gods. All right, well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you may know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Jagged Little Pill. First up in Jagged Little Pill is AC with Jagged. AC, while both might injure you enough that you will be required to take a pill, in the animal kingdom, what's the difference between a claw and a talon? A claw and a talon. God, I should know this. Why? I was just at the Pitt River Museum in Oxford. Ah. Well, isn't a talon on a bird and a claw is on, I don't know, a non-bird? <laughs> a non-bird, I believe, yes. That is that is the woke way we now say <laughs> other animals, I'm tra- the non-bird. I'm, tra- I'm, I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully. We've got AC's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. So, anything you'd like to add or change? Talons are used to grip things. Okay. And claws are just used to, you know, 
do some sassy scratching. Some sassy scratching? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So I just feel like uh, they do that, whereas I feel like talons are used to. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was the sassy part that I was clarifying, not yeah, the scratching yeah. part. Yes, I wasn't, oh, yeah. I wasn't familiar yeah. with that, that type of scratching. All right. Well, this segment has clawed its way to the finish line. Let's go to <laughs> Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Claws are found on all sorts of animals, including amphibians, reptiles, and mammals. But when it comes to birds, Talons are a type of claw found only on certain birds, specifically raptors, birds of prey like owls, and scavengers like vultures. Talons are large, sharp, and curved to help these predators grab, carry, kill, and tear apart their prey. Uh, That's right. Now, some crustaceans, like crabs and lobsters, also have what many people call claws, but they are technically pincers. On humans, our finger and toenails are claws that have evolved into a thin, flat form, which makes my habit of chewing my nails seem even weirder. Helen, how did our guest do? (laughs) I'm going to say AC gets a point and a half because you did get the non-bird portion correct. You didn't quite get the talents correct because not all birds have talents. And then Sook, I'm actually going to give you also half a point because you did say talons are used for grabbing. So, yeah, a point and a half for AC and half a point for Sook. All right, very good. And thank you for refraining from the sassy scratching that I thought might follow. All right, up next in Jagged Little Pill is Sook with Pill. Sook, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. Greetings, Go Fact Yourself. This is Wally B from Oakland, California. My question for What's the Difference is, while they both contain medicine that may help you feel better after being attacked by an animal with claws or talons, What's the difference between a pill and a tablet? Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, Wally. Sook, you heard Wally's question. What is the difference between a pill and a tablet? Oh, gosh. So I use them interchangeably. I'm going to say a pill is probably what we in the UK called a capsule. Mm -hmm. So it's like um, the medicine is in a kind of plastic casing. All right. And a tablet is not. A tablet is not. All right. We've got Sook's answer. Don't know yet if she's entirely correct. AC, anything you want to add or change? I believe a pill is, you know, a pill and a tablet can be (laughs) broken into two pieces, much like the most famous tablet, the Ten Commandments. Ah, a little bit of a different tablet we were going for here, yes. We're also not talking about an iPad, just to be clear. <laughs> I knew that. So I'm going with a, a tablet you can break into two as a pill is just a single piece. But they're, but, they're, but they're both pills. They are both pills. Interesting. All right. Well, this segment is becoming hard to swallow. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. A pill has become a catch-all term for any oral medication that's not liquid or powdered. A tablet is a type of pill, specifically a small, solid medicine taken orally that is mostly flat on the top and bottom. A tablet is often circular, but it can be oval or triangular or hexagonal or any shape the manufacturer decides. That's right. I love a dodecahedronal tablet. (laughs) Now, pills that are not tablets include capsules and caplets, which are tablets designed to look like capsules. Caplets were introduced after an unknown criminal in Chicago poisoned capsules of Tylenol in the early 1980s. I lived in Chicago in the early 1980s, and the poisoning stopped after I moved to California. Was that just a coincidence? Experts say yes. Helen, how did our guest do? I kind of want to give AC a point, because... You said they're both pills, which Mm -hmm. is correct. You didn't get tablet right because the breaking aspect is not actually the defining, our definition. uh, Let's not fight about it. Yeah, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, AC, I'll give you a point for for saying that a tablet is also a pill. They're both pills. Yeah. All right. What is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, AC Newman has two and a half points and Sook Adjula has half a point. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. 
Hey there, beautiful people. I am your favorite authoress, Travel Anderson, of We See Each Other, a black trans journey through TV and film. You know this is supposed to be a promo for our show, Fanti, and not your book, right? It's called Multitasking. I can't with you right now. Travel and I have an <laughs> award-winning show called Fanti that we both host, and it's a podcast where we dig into the complex and complicado mm-hmm. conversations about the gray areas in our lives. Perhaps there is a public figure of some sort, and you're like, oh, that person's so smart and so charming, but you're also like, oh, that person gets on my nerves. Okay, okay. You can catch us every week right here on Max Fun or wherever you get your slayworthy audio. And you can watch us on the YouTube every Friday. That's Fanti. F-A-N-T-I. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, A.C. Newman and Sook Ajala. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Carl or A.C., of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Marvel Legend action figures, the Paisley Underground, and SCTV, in particular, Five Neat Guys. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what Marvel Legend action figures mean to you. My son's 11 now. And I remember years and years ago, I discovered these things called Marvel Legends action figures. And there was a part of me that was like, couldn't believe how cool toys were. Mm -hmm. They're so much better now than when I was a kid. When my son took any interest in it, I said to him, you will have the greatest, most highly curated collection. This sounds like a like a like a regal statement, like a statement on from a balcony. I would have wanted all these toys when I was a kid, so I'm going to make sure that you have them all. Is he allowed to play with them, or do they stay in their box? No, no. I'm proud to say we open them and throw away the boxes, which is insane. Yeah, because the boxes are worth more than the action figures. <laughs> well, that just means you're a good dad. All right. You also said you know a lot about the Paisley Underground. When I was a teenager, you know, at the point when you get into music and music just Mm -hmm. means a ton to you, that's what I was really into. You know, I was really into like Dream Syndicate and Rain Parade and the Bangles and Green on Red, all those bands in that scene. I never tried to learn a lot about it, but Mm -hmm. I I realized that I know quite a lot about it. All right. And then finally, tell us why you know and love SCTV, in particular, Five Neat Guys. I'm Canadian. I'm of that age when I remember watching it when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it when it was a show that was only on in Canada. And I would think, what is this weirdo, low-budget show? So it was amazing to grow up and see all those people become legends and big stars. I don't know if you've ever seen the five neat guys at the Global Golden Choice Awards. (laughs) Yes, I did watch that this week, actually. But I could I could probably sing you that melody note for note. All right. Well, to summarize, AC, you said you know a lot about Marvel Legend action figures, the Paisley Underground and SCTV, in particular, five neat guys. Today, we're going to quiz you about the Paisley Underground. I figured you would. I'm afraid I I have no, I've never heard of this and I don't know what it is. Can you explain for someone who has no idea what the Paisley Underground is? It was a bunch of bands in Los Angeles in the early mid 80s. They were all very 60s influenced. So I think that's why they called themselves the Paisley Underground. And the biggest band to come out of that scene was the Bangles. You know the Bangles, right? Sure. Also, there was a guy named David Roback who had a band called Rain Parade and he ended up starting Mazzy Star. You probably heard of mm-hmm. Mazzy Star. Uh, so sure. Yeah. Those, those, so those were the two. When you're a teenager and you're getting into music, yeah. it's exciting when you begin to see like, oh, all, they all know each other. Like mm. you, you, you begin to see connections and you say, oh, they play on each other's records. And it just seems very cool. It feels like a story that you're privy to. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, AC, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Sook, do listen closely because if AC answers incorrectly, you can steal. Sook, how much do you know about the Paisley Underground? I thought the Paisley Underground were a tribute band for the Velvet Underground. So I, nothing. Nothing. All right. Nothing. Yeah. Well, let's, so let's, you, you're safe, AC. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, let's let's see AC revel in that safety. Here is question number one. The Paisley Underground is generally thought to be a small group of artists and bands in the Los Angeles area in the 1980s, but it reached far beyond that, including to a rock and roll hall of famer who named one of his songs, his record label, and his oh. Minneapolis area compound, Paisley Park. Who was this musical icon? I mean, you pretty much gave me the answer and the question. Prince. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yes, we like to start easy for our listeners uh, as well. You know, he wrote Manic Monday for the Bangles because he mm-hmm. was a big fan of the Bangles. 
And he signed the three o'clock. Too much information. I'm giving you too yes. much. <laughs> Fun fact, we did deep dives on Prince-related subjects on episodes 68 and 96 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, AC, here's question number two. True West was a guitar-heavy band associated with the Paisley Underground, whose first single was a cover of Pink Floyd's Lucifer Sam. The B-side of that single was the exact same song, except it was titled Mass Ref E Cool. Why was it called that? Because it's Lucifer Sam backwards. Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. That's right. It was the exact same recording, but played backwards. Mm -hmm. Fun fact, the backwards B-side may have been in response to the so-called satanic panic of the early 1980s when bands like Led Zeppelin were accused of hiding satanic messages in their songs that you could allegedly hear when playing the record backwards. This was called backmasking, and it really messed up your record needle. All right, you're two for two. Here is question number three. When looking into the Paisley Underground, you might notice the names of groups, the names of albums, and the names of songs often seem to have a theme, the theme of time. But which of the following time-themed album titles is not a real Paisley Underground album? Is it Rainy Day, Real Nighttime, The Lost Weekend, Three Minute Warnings, or 32 Day Month? Okay, wait, okay, what was the first one again? First one is Rainy Day. I know that one. That was everybody getting together and doing 60s covers. And then Real Nighttime was Game Theory. What was the third one? The Lost Weekend. Okay, that was Danny and Dusty. Three-minute warnings or 32... Day month. 32-day month or three-minute warnings. Yeah, I'll take the hint. <laughs> Helen, how about that first hint? Three-minute warnings is a Paisley Underground album. Okay, so the other one. <laughs> it's the one that is not a Paisley Underground album. Helen, is it 32-day month? It is. That is correct. Yes, very nicely done. Uh, as you mentioned, Rainy Day was from the band Rainy Day. Real Nighttime was Game Theory, The Lost Weekend, Danny and Dusty. Three-minute warnings from The Long Riders. Oh, uh, and 32-day okay. month, we made up. All right, you're three for three. Here's question number four. Green on Red is a band who, depending on which article you read, was either loosely associated with the Paisley Underground or embraced as part of the scene. Perhaps some didn't fully embrace them because they originated in Tucson, not Los Angeles, and they started with a different name. What was that original band name of Green on Red? Oh, all right, I think we got some challenge now for AC. I'll take a hint. All right, Helen, how about that second hint? It sounds like they totally would have wanted to catch some gnarly waves, dude. But it was spelled differently. Was it surfers, but S-E-R-F-E-R-S? Helen? That is correct. That is exactly correct. Very nice. Fun fact, they changed their name on the advice of a former member of the band The Germs, who really ought to know. Yes. All right, AC, you are four for four. Let's see if you can go five for five. You do not have your hint available, but let's oh. see if you can pull this nonetheless. Okay. The band Opal must have been thrilled that a song of theirs appeared in a movie that made Roger Ebert's 10 best of the year list and even won an Academy Award. But they might have been less than thrilled that their song did not appear on the official soundtrack album. Either way, what 1999 Oscar-winning film featured the Opal song, She's a Diamond? I have no idea. Perhaps you would like to just guess a film title. Benny and June. Helen, is it Benny and June? It is not Benny and June. No, I'm terribly sorry. Oh. Suck with a chance to steal. My gosh, 1999 was a really good year. Uh, I don't know. Uh, there's something about Mary? Helen, was it the Oscar-winning There's Something About Mary? <laughs> it was not. <laughs> no, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you were maybe a little bit closer. We were looking for Boys Don't Cry. Boys Don't Cry had that song oh, in the title. I've never it, seen that. It it looked uh, too it took looked too depressing. It was. Yeah, it there's was. a lot of tough stuff in Boys Don't Cry, <laughs> but I think it's pretty it's pretty great. Fun fact, David Roback of Opal formed the band Mazzy Star, whose song Fade Into You appeared on dozens of soundtracks, including Starship Troopers, Burlesque, and The Crown. All right, Carl, you still did quite well in that round, but now it's time for your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Okay. Carl, the Paisley Underground sound seemed like a big happy family in the 1980s and continues that way today. Please allow us to extend the family metaphor further and tell us for up to three points. First, what leader of the Dream Syndicate has been called by Magnet Magazine a founding father of indie rock and of the Paisley Underground? Next, what actual sisters are members of a Paisley Underground band whose several hits include that song that Prince wrote? 
And when the lead singer of the three o'clock, Michael Quercio, gave birth to the term Paisley Underground, it became codified when he mentioned it in an interview with what Los Angeles newspaper? Uh, God, what was the first one again? Oh, Steve Wynn. The first one was Steve okay. Wynn, right? Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's what you're going to say, yes. And then the Vicky and Debbie Peterson. Okay. It was the second one. And I don't know, LA Weekly. LA Weekly. Okay, Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand to tell her for sure. In fact, we seem to have more than one. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight are members from three of the seminal bands that made the Paisley Underground. From the <laughs> Dream Syndicate, Steve Wynn. From the Three O'Clock, Michael Quercio. And from the Bangles, Debbie Peterson and Vicky Peterson. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hey. hey. Hi. I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not I'm, surprised. I'm, I'm kind of a, I'm a massive fan of all of you. Too much to say. I'm a massive fan of new pornographers, just so you know. Oh, well, thank you. That is Debbie Peterson speaking up as a fan of the new pornographers. How great. Well, now I'm even more overwhelmed. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll give you a chance to catch your breath. I want to start first with Michael. Michael, you're the one who's credited with coming up with the name Paisley Underground. And I understand uh, that actually wasn't a term to describe your work as much as it was to describe a music listening group. The guy interviewing us just asked me, what do you call you guys being friends, you guys doing these shows together, the Rain Parade, the Bangs, they were the Bangs at that time, and mm-hmm. uh, Dream Syndicate, and then I just said, well, it's the Paisley Underground. <laughs> it was just off the cuff, and and then about a month later, a friend said, hey, your thing got in NME in England. I go, what thing? Go, that phrase or whatever, and then it's all this. <laughs> it's all it is. <laughs> uh, I read an article that said that uh, the term came to be, quote, hated by the bands it described. Uh, <laughs> which, 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 That's not true. Was it, so it was oh, none of you. No, okay, none no. of you hated it. Nope, none of no. us. Uh, Vicky, no. you were... We didn't hate it. Uh. I had to apologize a lot, but... Yeah? Uh, uh, Vicky, what did you think about the term? I loved it. I thought it was really uh, appropriate, and it was cool, and it did... It gave a, a title to what we were doing and, and the fact that we really were a scene. Mm. It wasn't so much a sound as a um, a group of uh, friends who respected each other, who shared bills together, hung out together socially as well. And it just kind of, um, it was. A, I thought it was a lovely sort of umbrella to stand under. Yeah, Carl mentioned earlier about how much crossover there was between people working on each other's stuff. And uh, it kind of started with, Steve, you actually met the Peterson sisters. This is the perfect music origin story in a record store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess, Carl, we have that mm-hmm. in common because we both worked in record stores like a lot of our, our yes. other mu- musicians in various bands. And, uh, and in fact, I was working at a store called Rhino Records out in Los Angeles, 81, 82, when all these records were first coming out. And my job was ordering <laughs> all the indie singles. So I was, you know, I'd say, whoa, this um, Salvation Army single sounds pretty cool. I'll order three of those. Whoa, this Bang single, that sounds up my alley. I got four of those. And started to get it up and all these. I, well, for one thing, when the Dream Snicket started, we thought there's nobody else doing this kind of thing that we like. And I found out I was wrong. And they were all right here in the city. They're, they're in the house, you know. Very cool. <laughs> Debbie, what do you remember most about those days? I just remember it being very much like a community. Mm-hmm. We all would hang out together. We'd open for up for each other at the at the shows and and uh, just go and support each other. So it was very much like a like a lovely community within LA. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fun. And and Vicky, was it always the plan for you and Debbie to work together? Or is that something that just sort of happened uh, accidentally? <laughs> oh well, it, well, it was the plan. As soon as we realized that Debbie could play drums, okay. we were in high school. <laughs> we were in high school together, and she was an excellent air drummer. She was also an excellent air bass player and excellent <laughs> air guitar player. Yeah, yeah. very good at those. <laughs> not, not a lot of people can segue from doing the air instruments to doing the actual instruments, oh, though. Exactly, my yeah. So we found out that she could actually sit down in a kit and hit things with sticks and make them sound great. <laughs> we were very impressed, and so this was this was when Debbie, you were you were what fifteen? I was Debbie? fifteen. Yeah, I was yeah, 15. she was 15. I think I was 16, 17. Wow. So we've been doing this for a while yeah. together. It's amazing when you can discover that your younger sibling could provide some value to your life. I've, I've been in that position exactly. as the younger sibling. <laughs> uh, we talked about Prince a lot. How did any of you first hear that he was an admirer of your work? Who, who was the first to find that out? The Bengals found out because he started showing up at our show. What? No way. Yeah, it was so cool. No way. So you'd be on stage and you'd look out and there's Prince? Well, yeah, we'd look into the wings, and you know, oh. and and our road manager would be kind of like waving madly, <laughs> waving his arms, and going, "Ah, uh, yeah, Prince wants to play on the encore." I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's, uh, that's 
five, here, have my guitar. I, I, sure, I, no problem. Would, would he play Bengals songs or would he play his own stuff or, or covers or what? Well, at first it was just covers, but then once um, he had given us Manic Monday, obviously he, he did come out and perform that with us mm-hmm. at least once. He was not, I did meet him once and, 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 and he was real nice to me. He held my hand, Aww. which I'm told he didn't do to people. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. talked to me for a while and, and was real nice. And he, he was a real sweetheart. So, Oh, my God. It was, it was interesting trying to uh, write this quiz today because uh, we didn't want to repeat uh, any of the bands. And yet it was kind of challenging because so many of you have worked with each other and have, have crossed over. Why was there so much crossover uh, amongst this community? And, and was that as rare as it maybe seems to be from an outsider? A lot of scenes are invented from the outside, but we really were people that like each other. And at the time, if you yeah. in the early 80s. There weren't a lot of bands making this kind of music. Mm. It, it, it was mostly synthesizer-driven and kind of very mm. sterile, artificial, in a sort of post-punk landscape. The things we like, 60 music, guitars, psychedelic things, all that kind of stuff, there weren't that many. We found, we just found, and we all happened to be in the same city, so we just naturally found each other. And we're not only, you know, you usually hear about scenes and everyone's very competitive. We sure. were probably each other's biggest fans. Aww. Was anybody allowed to be in the Paisley Underground? Like, was there a border? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. like, because I know, like, were game theory considered part of that? Not necessarily, except for that. Um, uh, just for to, this geek geek value. Um, <laughs> a lot of the bands, like myself and and Kendra Smith from Dream Syndicate, and we mentioned True West. Those guys were all from mm-hmm. Davis, California. And yeah, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, and Scott Miller was the kid on the scene who would come to our shows, and I who I gave Scott Miller his first big star record. I produced their first EP. There you go. All right. There you go. But just to be clear, there was not an official, you know, induction process. There were not membership cards. <laughs> there were officially it was just the Rain Parade, the Dream yeah. Syndicate, the Bangles, and the Three right. O'clock. And then, right. But you try writing a five question quiz about. And just then that. it became <laughs> a lot of other people, and yeah. that was more the world that did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. You all kind of made it official on an album called Three by Four, where these bands covered each other, playing each other's songs. Debbie, was there a particular song that was uh, enjoyable for you to uh, work on? I really liked singing on a uh, jet fighter. I always liked that song. Yeah. The Three o'clock song. song. Yeah. Three o'clock song. Yeah. And Vicky, what so. about you? What song stood out for you? Well, I guess I always wanted to be in the Dream Syndicate, which I got to do <laughs> this year. Yeah. <laughs> which was lovely. So we, we covered a Dream Syndicate song. That's what you always say. Yeah. <laughs> and Steve, what about you? I hate to be diplomatic, but I really liked all three. We got our, we got our first choice on all from all three bands, and they all went been great. It was fun doing "Hero Takes a Fall." Most definitely, that was, that was a- <laughs> there. You go. And Michael, what about you? Steve Wynn's song, especially "Tell Me When It's Over," was my favorite, just because we got to kind of really get kooky on it. Yeah, your your, your version is great. I love your version. Yay! Yeah. I got to say, knowing nothing about this scene and having never heard about the, you know, Paisley <laughs> Underground and now meeting you, it's it's it, I feel like it's a name that's befitting because for rock stars, you are all really nice. <laughs> chill. <laughs> you're all like really chill, like supportive. Ni- like you're like the antithesis of like the stereotype of a rock star. And I'm like, yeah, Paisley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's lovely. I know you all are working on uh, new projects as well. Debbie, you're working with Scott McCoy of The No Ones. It's a new album mm. that you sung with another band called Minus Five. Mm-hmm. And also there's a Bengals official biography that we can look forward to. Vicky, I know you're uh, doing the upcoming Jazz Fest with the Continental Drifters. And as, well, right. as well, a Bengals official biography. Uh, that <laughs> seems to track. Steve, you've got a new album in June with your band The Baseball Project. You do all songs related to baseball. Your fourth album is called Grand Salami Time that's coming out soon. And uh, The Dream Cindy has a new 4CD box set that we can look forward to. And Michael, you're doing a re-release of the 3 o'clock record Baroque Hoedown. So it's uh, incredible to see all of you still so uh, vital and plugged into music and uh, making wonderful stuff for your fans. Let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of (laughs) AC. First, we want to know what leader of the Dream Syndicate has been called by Magnet Magazine a founding father of indie rock and of the Paisley Underground. Helen, what did AC say? AC said Steve Wynn. And Steve Wynn? It was so easy. <laughs> he got it. I can't believe it. That's great. He well got done. it. Well done, AC. A slam dunk. Uh, that is the point. Yeah, yeah. Next, we want to know what actual sisters are members of a Paisley Underground band that uh, had that hit song that Prince wrote. Helen, what did AC say? AC said Vicky and Debbie Peterson. And? The answer is Vicky and Debbie Peterson. And for extra bonus points, 
Which one is which? <laughs> oh, well, that's, a, that's a good question. Can't Debbie's start. at the bottom. Vicky's on the right. <laughs> I'm on the bottom. <laughs> but AC does get the point on that. And then yes. finally wanted to know when the lead singer of the Three O'Clock gave birth to the term Paisley Underground. It was codified in an interview with what Los Angeles newspaper? Helen, what did AC say? AC said, uh, I don't know, the LA Weekly. And Michael? <laughs> AC was correct. <laughs> That's right, what? the LA Weekly, Woo! three for three in the clusterfact. fact, it was the LA Weekly. That was an absolute guest. <laughs> well done. AC, uh, before we go, while we have all these experts here, is there anything else you'd like to say or ask of them? Yeah, there was a specific time in my life where like all over the place and Days of Wine and Roses and 16 Tambourines were just like my top five albums of that year. So uh, awesome. I think I could safely say without the four of you, I think my life might have taken a different path. Wow. Oh, that's amazing. That's, that's really, great. Thank you. That's a compliment. It's a pretty, yeah, a pretty big influence. You know, yeah. a he, lot of... He didn't say it would have taken a worse path, but still, it's a very <laughs> nice compliment. Yeah. Yeah. One can presume. You would have made so much more money. <laughs> <laughs> it was so wonderful that you joined us. I'll start, Steve, if people want to find out more about you and your work, where can they do that? I guess you can go to stevewin.net or any of the bands you mentioned, Baseball Project, or Dream Syndicate, or myself on Facebook. And Michael, where can people find you? Just Google, and it'll all <laughs> appear to you. It'll all happen. Vicky, yourself? Happen. I'm on social media reluctantly, but I am there as uh, Vicky Peterson, the Bengals, and the Dream Syndicate, and uh, the Cottonelle Drifters. Excellent. I'll have uh, some fun stuff. Terrific. And finally, Debbie? Same sort of thing um, on thebangles.com and Debbie Peterson. And uh, the no ones and minus five, hopefully. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for joining us. What a pleasure. Steve Wynn, Michael Quercio, Debbie Peterson, and Vicki Peterson. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank Thanks you. Great to meet you. Thanks for having Thanks us on. Thanks, Great nice to, meet to meet you. you. Nice, nice to meet you. Yeah, awesome. awesome to meet you. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, AC Newman has nine and a half points, and Sook Ajala has half a point with a round of questions for Sook coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Sook about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, AC and Sook will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Since we reached our highest milestone during the Max Fun Drive, we are creating a Max Fun Foley library full of sound effects from your favorite hosts. The whole Max Fun community will be able to use it. So, what would you like it to feature? People high fiving? Walking through mud? Chicken clucking? Jazz kazoo? Head to maximumfun.org/foley. That's maximumfun.org/f-o-l-e-y and submit your ideas. We're excited to make this silly thing together and even more excited to see what you all create with it. And thank you again for a great Max Fun Drive. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, AC Newman and Suk Ajala. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much, Helen. All right, Sook, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Eat, Pray, Love, the book, Rocky IV, <laughs> the movie, and Greek deities. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what Eat, Pray, Love, the book means to you. I picked up a copy of the book in a secondhand bookshop a few years ago, and I just, I fell in love with it. I have had nothing in common with Elizabeth Gilbert, the author. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, she goes on this wonderful trip. She goes to Italy, India, and then Indonesia. And I kind of use the book as a kind of prescription. Mm. If it's grey and dreary in England, as it often is, I'll read the Italy section. I, I know this is probably not how it's supposed to be read. <laughs> if I'm feeling kind of spiritual, I'll, I'll read India. And if I want some, you know, romance, I'll go to Bali. So as an author and as a person, I just think she's absolutely fantastic she's so raw and honest and authentic and can really make fun of herself which yeah. i love that quality in a person fantastic all right you also said you know a lot about rocky for the movie and thank you for clarifying that eat pray love is the book and rocky for is the movie because we wouldn't want to accidentally ask you about rocky <laughs> for the book exactly uh, because there is a book yes i was born in 84. There's a rule in my parents' house where we do not discuss sex or romance or any sort of kind of romantic relationships, but violence is absolutely fine. <laughs> and so I grew up watching Rocky IV and Sylvester Stallone was my first ever crush. So. <laughs> really? 
Yes, I know. And why Rocky Four, not the other Rockies, is something that is especially meaningful to you? Purely because we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and it was shown on the telly, and my dad recorded it on VHS Uh off TV, and that's how we used to watch it. All right, and then finally, speaking of Apollo, you said you know a lot about Mm. Greek deities. This is just because I didn't have any friends growing up. Wait, were the deities your friends? Uh, Yes. I think I've just always been massively interested in the Greek gods and, and the tales, just because they're morality tales and they're so fascinating and I grew up with a lot of Indian mythology mm. um, and, and you know there's lots of similarities there and so yeah I just love them and you know they're a hot mess Yes. I mean, what's not to love? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's right. The Real Housewives of Mount Olympus would be quite a show. <laughs> All right. Well, to summarize, you said you know a lot about Eat, Pray, Love, the book, Rocky for the movie, and Deities, the Greek. Today, we're going to quiz you about Eat, pray, love. Yay. Yay. Okay, great. I'm just glad it wasn't Greek deities because I tried to swat up on them. I tried to revise on it and I don't remember a lot. Yeah, it, was also, them, it so. was also very hard for us to get Zeus as an expert, but uh, we did yeah. try. Uh, <laughs> now, we've mentioned that uh, you have your first novel out. Were you inspired yeah. in any way by Eat, Pray, Love as far as being a writer? I think a bit like what Carl said, it kind of seeps in, right? It's mm. osmosis. So there's, there's probably bits of it in there. But mm-hmm. when I wrote Sunny, I made sure not to read any kind of romantic comedy so Uh. i just read lots of crime thrillers (laughs) and uh, you've mentioned that you read it initially and then you've read it in different sections how many times do you think you've gone through the book uh, completely i've read it about once a year oh wow okay i don't know seven or eight times in total maybe i don't know yeah as someone who doesn't read at all i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) no it's absolutely a comfort read it's one of those things where like my brain can't cope with anything new so Mm. i'm going to read this because i know what oh my god it's like chips and ice cream Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with a question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, AC, do listen closely because if Sook answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, AC, how much do you know about Eat, Pray, Love? I know that it is a book. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll see if, uh, if, if Sook fails on that count. We'll see if... <laughs> uh, you get a chance to answer a question. All right, so here's question number one. Almost everyone knows the title Eat, Pray, Love, including AC. But that is not the complete title, as it's followed by One Woman's Search for Blank Across Italy, India, and Indonesia. What fills that blank is more than something. It's not just anything, and it's way more than nothing. What is this one woman searching for? Is it everything? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Fun fact, that famous cover features the words in the title made from pasta, prayer beads, and flowers and was designed by Helen Yentes, whose work can also be seen on the covers of The Psychopath Test, The Long Goodbye, and The Innovator's Cookbook. All right, here's question number two. In the first part of the book, the narrator is so desperate to end her marriage that she imagines having her divorce petition signed by Abraham Lincoln, Mother Teresa, and the Dalai Lama. (laughs) But to what even more powerful figure does she address this petition? God? Helen? That is correct. That is correct for the point. It is God. (laughs) Fun fact, others who she imagines sign her divorce petition include Muhammad Ali, Eleanor Roosevelt, Gandhi, and Michael J. Fox. I think I might choose Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, I think think that's who I would petition as well. (laughs) Here's question number three. Our narrator meets lots of people on her adventures, but which of the following is not the name of a character who appears in Eat, Pray, Love? Is it Carmen, Celeste, Felipe, Richard, or Luca Spaghetti? I know she meets Luca Spaghetti. That's hard to forget, yeah. Yeah, I know she meets Richard. Mm -hmm. Felipe is who she falls in love with. Okay. I'm going to say she doesn't meet a Carmen. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Fun fact, in the introduction, we learned that all names of people the narrator met have been changed, except for one, Richard from Texas, was happy to have his name used. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you're three for three. Here's question number four. You do still have your hints available. Sitting in an outdoor cafe in Rome, the narrator's friend declares that every city and every person has a word. They conclude that Rome's is sex, the Vatican's power, and New York's is achieve. But she only later stumbles upon a word for herself, and it's from Sanskrit. What is this word? I will take a hint for this because I thought it was an Italian word. But yeah, so Sanskrit has thrown me. Go for it. I'll have a hint, please. Helen, how about that first hint? It's not pro vaccine. And like anti vaccine? Helen? 
That is correct. That is correct. Excellent use of the hint. Fun fact, Antavasin is Sanskrit for one who lives at the border. In the movie, she says her word is attraversiamo, which is Italian yes. for let's cross over. So it's a little bit tricky. That might have been the one that you were thinking of. That's what I was thinking of, yeah. But good job. You got it. You have a chance to go five for five, Sook, if you can get this question correct. As we mentioned, the original hardcover version of the book is well known for its cover, but that design is only on the jacket. Under the dust jacket, what will you find emblazoned on the front? I don't have the hard book. Hard book? Are you kidding me? What do you think I am? Like Johnny Big Bucks? Um, I, I, I was informed by your publicist that you are Johnny Big Bucks, so uh, you might want to talk to her about that. Please, can I have the second hint? Helen? We will allow that second hint. Helen? <laughs> Thank you. It probably doesn't stand for electric gorilla. It probably doesn't. E.G. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Yes, it is the monogram or initials EG. Sook Ajala, you are five for five. Congratulations. Yeah. Fun fact, the first printing of that Eat, Pray, Love hardcover was 30,000 copies. The first printing of the paperback was 170,000 copies. The book has gone on to sell over 12 million copies. All right, Sook, you obviously did very well wow. in that round. But now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Sook, you are not the only one who loves Eat, Pray, Love. The book spent over 200 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list, and its author, Elizabeth Gilbert, appeared on several TV shows and was named one of the 100 most influential people in the world by a famous news magazine. For up to three points, in what year did the book first appear on the New York Times bestseller list? What influential American talk show host featured Gilbert as a guest in 2007 on an episode titled Why We Can't Stop Talking About Eat, Pray, Love? And what was the news magazine that named her to its annual 100 list? So the first one, I'm going to say 2006. Okay. The second one, the talk show Oprah. Okay. Third question, was it which magazine? Yes. Time magazine? All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a best-selling author whose many celebrated works include Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> it's Elizabeth Gilbert. My God, are you shitting me? We are not <laughs> you. Hello, Elizabeth Gilbert. Hi, no, I'm here. Hi, everybody. I've got a little bit of bronchitis, or I would be screaming even more love to you, so I can't believe... How well oh you've gosh. answered these questions, and it's so nice to meet you. It's so lovely to meet you. I'm unapologetically emotional. I have to tell you, I have a friend, my oldest friend, Gemma Bowles, and we grew up on the same street. We went to the same schools. Whenever we are feeling crappy or something's going on and we're like, oh, I don't know what to do about this. Why am I dealing with this again? We go, have you read the book? Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we refer to you because we're British. We have to obviously bastardize your name. So uh, we're like, what would Liz Gilbert do? <laughs> <laughs> that actually sounds like an Australian thing to do. Isn't that more <laughs> like an Aussie thing to do? Like the garbage man is the garbage. I thought there might be some Cockney rhyme slang, but uh, Gilbo is great also. <laughs> oh my God, it's so good. It's so nice to meet you and congratulations Aww. on all of your success. And I'm so glad that when you went to take a writing class, it turned into a comedy class and that you stayed. <laughs> that was so brave of you. Like, Thank just you so much. So cool. And, and I'm giving you all the credit for your own success. Other people <clears throat> may not, <laughs> but uh I, I'm landing that right in your own lap. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, Liz, wow. uh, in addition to Eat, Pray, Love, of course, listeners will know you from your works like Big Magic, Committed, The Last American Man, The Signature of All Things, City of Girls, and more. I hope you don't mind my mentioning, when we were communicating this week, I got an auto-reply from you that said, I'm working on a new book and trying very hard to stay away from screens, uh, which I admire very much. How do you stay away from screens? Because I think that might be beneficial in some way. God, you've got to <laughs> just set that boundary so ferociously because yeah. I read an obituary years ago of a female artist who said, I, I came to the realization that my solitude is of value to absolutely nobody but me. Mm. And that's why nobody will protect it because I am only of value to people for what I give to them and what I offer to them and what they can get from me. 
And the only way to create is, well, I mean, unless you're in a, in a collaboration like the Paisley Underground, <laughs> the only way to, to, to really create. But at the bottom of creation, there's usually a lot of solitude and a lot of silence. Mm. Oh, my God, that's so yeah. potent. Yes, thank you. It's not precious to anybody but you. So, yes. so you have to be the guardian of it. But it shows how much I love this show that I instantly wrote back and said, yes, Aww. I would love to be on. <laughs> and and well, I want to meet Sook. Well, we're very humbled and flattered by that. I'm Thank so you. glad I'm here. In Eat, Pray, Love and on social media, you've been very open and personal. I read a quote where you said, I will always share anything personal about my life if it could help someone else feel more normal about their life. Was that something that came natural to you or is that something that evolved over time? I've never had an unspoken thought. So um, <laughs> I guess I think it's almost a public service and it's almost like a paying it forward thing because mm. I have been mm. so helped in my life by people who lived their lessons publicly. Mm. And I've got, I got plenty of them. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm twice, twice divorced, once widowed. I'm in a 12 step recovery, you know, like, you know, life hasn't, I, I haven't had the easiest time figuring out how to operate, but I'm still here and yeah. I'm still happy to talk about what it's like to be human. Oh, great. Well, uh, one of the things that you and Suk have in common are doing your own audiobook. Suk mentioned uh, the frustration mm -hmm. uh, that she had about not being able to change anything. Is that something that you can relate to? Oh, my God. Absolutely. I, I remember um, reading Eat, Pray, Love and stopping a couple times and over sentences that were awkward to read aloud. Mm -hmm. I think that's part mm -hmm. of it, too, is that something can look very lovely on the page and then I would stumble yeah. over it four or five times and say to the engineer, who wrote this shit. Like, this doesn't even this doesn't even scan you know um, but you have to release it anyway otherwise we we don't get to enjoy what you are uh i read an interview from 2011 where you said to this day you were unsure why eat pray love did so well it's about 12 years later do you have a better idea now i think more than anything else and and i think so you touched on this when you spoke about it i think it turned out to be a giant permission slip mm. for millions of women to say, as one woman said to me once in a book signing line, thank you for reminding me that my life belongs to me. Mm. And I don't think that that is a necessarily very obvious thing that women know. And I think any one of us who can live her life as though it belongs to her gives permission to others to do the same. And each woman who sets herself free frees another. So it's, I think that's, uh, that's the secret magic in there. Last thing I want to ask you about, uh, in your bio, you mentioned that you'd grown up on a Christmas tree farm. And I was curious, does that mean that Christmas was extra great or extra awful? Well, I'll say this. Um, <laughs> we always had the worst Christmas tree of, um, of anybody in the family because my dad was not about to waste <laughs> a perfectly good Christmas tree on his own family when he yeah. could sell it for $38. The wonderful part about it is that it's kind of like selling ice cream. And I've also worked in ice cream stores. Mm -hmm. People are always really happy to buy a Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's a great deal of joy that comes from the, I think it's maybe one of the only businesses where the joy is coming from the customers toward the people, you know, oh, wow. like there's, there's mm. just a lot of, and that's very sincere. Like the kids love it. And people just get very moved coming to the same place year after year. My parents have had that business. I'm 50. Well, they've had it 50 years and they're wow. still doing it. They're they're, on, they're in their eighties now and they're still doing it. So yeah. there are people who've been coming for decades there. Now, my dad, if he had heard that the Christmas tree was 38, would have, of course, tried to talk him down to 35. Uh, how would that have gone over with your dad? I would like to see him try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I, will pit my, I will pit my father in a frugality contest against literally anybody's. And, I, and listen, I know, I know that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of that out there. But, man, I, I'm, I'm going to go to the Olympics on this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Sorry to my dad. That extra three bucks is going to have to come out of my allowance. Let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Sook. First, we want to know in what year did Eat, Pray, Love first appear on the New York Times bestseller list? Helen, what did Sook say? Sook said 2006. And Liz? She's absolutely correct. Absolutely right. Yay. Very good for the point. Next, we want to know what influential American talk show host featured Ms. Gilbert on a 2007 episode titled Why We Can't Stop Talking About Eat, Pray, Love. Helen, what did Sook say? Sook said Oprah. And Liz? Yes, that is a little somebody named Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> <laughs> Weren't sure if you'd heard that on the other side of the pond. So uh, <laughs> good good job pulling that. And finally, wanted to know what was the news magazine that named Ms. Gilbert to its annual 100 list? Helen, what did Sook say? Sook said time. 
And Liz? That's it. She was absolutely correct. A three perfect three. score. Yay! A perfect score in the round for Sook Angela. Congratulations. Aww, thank you. Uh, Sook, while we have Liz Gilbert here, anything else you'd like to ask or say? Firstly, I'm really, really happy that we get to exist in this lifetime at the same time. What an honor. And secondly, I currently like going into battle with the difficult second album, so to speak. I'm trying to get rid of that mindset of going, oh, this is going to be really tough. Is there anything I can do apart apart from just sitting my ass down at my desk and writing? What, what else? What else do I do? I would just see if you could extend just this enormous humanitarian mercy toward yourself for the reality that it actually is hard. And that maybe that's okay, that it's hard, because I don't know who it wouldn't be hard for. Mm. But I will promise you this, it will be the hardest one. Um, Like the second one will be the hardest one. If you can get through that without it needing to be fun, without it needing to be easy, without it needing to be good or well-received or loved, or even for you to be satisfied with it, if you can get through it, you have the rest of your life to create whatever you want. Like I, pr- I absolutely promise you that it yeah. will be, it will bring you a great freedom, but just be tender with yourself and you'll get through it. Thank you so much. My butthole has just unclenched for the first time <laughs> in about six months. So- <laughs> oh, that's what that sound was. <laughs> yeah, we've had a lot of special moments on the show. I think that's the first time that we can acknowledge that that has happened. Liz, it's been an absolute joy to have you here. People want to find out more about what you're up to. Where can they do that? Uh, they can well first of all I want to say any day that I can unclench someone's butthole is a, is a <laughs> especially just using words I'm yeah. just over the airways I mean yeah. that's a, that's an amazing skill I'm on elizabethgilbert.com but but the one thing that I would really love to share is mm-hmm. um if you go to uh the onwardbookclub.com onward book club. It is um, a uh, book club that I've been doing for the last few years that celebrates and spotlights and amplifies the work of Black women writers. And um, and I do interviews with the writers and we talk about their books. And um, it's been a beautiful adventure and a wonderful resource. So um, that's what I would like to promote. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for mentioning that. And thank you so much for joining us and get back to work on that book. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Liz Gilbert, everyone. Thank you so much. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Ooh, it's a tight game, Jay Keith. At the end of that round, AC Newman has nine and a half points and Sook Adjula has eight and a half points. Oh, a very nice comeback by Sook. Now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with AC and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement statement is true or false. Here we begin. AC, there is a dating site to meet people who are already in relationships. True. Correct. Sook, there's a dating site to meet people who are in prison. True. Correct. AC, there are several dating sites to meet people who are in prison. True. Correct. Sook, one of them is called meet a person in prison. False. Correct. AC, one of them is called meet an inmate. True. Correct. So one of them is called Inmate Mate. True? Incorrect. Nope, made that one up. AC, one of them is called Inmate Passion. False. Incorrect. I wish it were. Sook, one of them is called Inmate Mingle. False. Incorrect. No, I don't know how you'd mingle, but uh, there you have it. AC, one of them is called Inmate Match. True. Incorrect. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Sook, one of them is called Caged Ladies. True? Correct. Yeah, AC, the (laughs) fact that there's a dating site called Caged Ladies makes me feel very uncomfortable. True. Uh, Yes, true, (laughs) sure. Sook, but that didn't prevent me from signing up. True. Uh Uh-huh. And finally, AC, our wedding is in the fall. True. (laughs) These are easy. Sure, yeah. Uh (laughs) All right, that is not true. I am very happily engaged to somebody else who I did not meet in prison. Not that there's anything wrong with people who are incarcerated finding love. All right, we're also not going to count those last few. I want to thank AC and Sook as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the winner on today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, AC Newman has 12 and a half points and Sook Adjula has 11 and a half points. Congratulations, AC. You were the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. AC, what will you do with your championship? It's an honor just to play the game. I'm just trying to get better 
I feel like I'm competing with myself more than anyone else. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I wasn't asking for your post-game news conference, but uh, <laughs> we, we certainly just, appreciate just, those just sentiments. Trying to, just trying to put pucks in the net. Um, yep, yeah, just playing it know. one day at a time, just trying to help out the team. Uh, <laughs> all right, we want to give everyone here a chance to mention or promote anything they might like. AC, where can people find what you and the New Pornographers are up to? I guess you could go to the newpornographers.com or go to Merge Records, go to their website. They probably have our information about our tour or our new record continue as a guest which is on merge look around on the internet there's probably a few things about us somewhere there probably are well we're certainly happy that you joined us today ac newman everybody thank you so much uh Sukodula, where can people find what you're up to i'm on instagram and twitter at Sukodula. good luck spelling it and uh <laughs> and uh, please do go and buy a copy of my book it's called sunny and uh, so that i can buy a house Yay, let's get Suka House. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Well, well, thank you for uh, making this feel like a home by joining us today on Go Fact Yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is the funny, the Helen, the Hong, Ms. Helen Hong. You can follow me on all the socials at funny Helen Hong, because we already all know that other Helen Hong. She's not funny. Not funny. Um, And you can also watch my comedy special, Well Hong, on Amazon Prime and Apple TV+. Excellent. Nice. Helen Hong, everybody. And me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith or on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank AC Newman, Sook Adjala, Steve Wynn, Michael Quercio, Vicky Peterson, Debbie Peterson, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. It's happening again. Our next show is Saturday, May 6th in Pasadena with guests Reggie Watts and Lisa Loeb. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Grackle Lackle did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, fun times. Jake Heath's jokes crack me up. Thanks, Crackle-Lackle. I'm glad I could make you cackle. Good luck in the tabernacle. Helen? Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the world. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Brian Phillips and Leora Saul. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Vallada. Special thanks to Joe Cohen at Saxon Company. Amanda Harkness at Mobius Books. Shaylin Tavella at Riverside Books. Valerie Watson, Dr. Linnea Newman. Beth Dement, Phoebe Parker, and Sarah Rodenbaugh. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go listen to Paisley Underground music. While reading Eat, Pray, Love. It has to work together. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.